Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 33 of the Paid to Be Me podcast, the podcast that empowers you to create a lifestyle in business that is authentic, fun, and highly profitable. My guest today is Lisa Pachentz. Lisa is a professional certified coach, mentor coach for coaches, and the owner of LP Coaching, an elite executive life coaching company. Lisa primarily works with underfulfilled overachievers female entrepreneurs and executives who are trapped in the tired pursuit of success without satisfaction and desire a life fueled by passion. Lisa has powerfully, purposefully, and passionately built her business to help others find fulfillment beyond the balancing act. She believes that life is best lived on purpose and that it starts right now. In this episode, Lisa and I talk about working less and living a great fucking life, the insidiousness of perfectionism and people-pleasing, and how to generate so many interested clients that you have a literal wait list for your business. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hayden, Hayden Humphrey. I'm very excited to have you. I feel like this has been a long time in the making. I know. We started talking about uh, me being on your show before your show. (laughs) (laughs) You're like this hypothetical podcast. You want to be on this hypothetical thing in the future. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be your first one. (laughs) I'll be there. OG guest. I love it. (laughs) Um, Well, how have you been? What have you been up to given current circumstances and these crazy times that we live in? Mm, It's funny. Someone asked me that question yesterday and I was like, "Eh, not much is new, but here are the 10 million things I've been up to. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's see. I mean, 2020 was supposed to be the year of travel for me and my husband. (laughs) Mm. I feel like a lot of people had, uh, had manifested 2020 as the year of travel. And of course, since yeah. we can't travel, we have to look at other places for our entertainment. Um, so where I've put a lot of my focus uh, is on self-care, well-being, like crafts. What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? How do I take care of myself in different ways? I did a whole 30 last month. Nice. And started to like, learn different things about my body. I was just talking to you about like uh, getting back into running for the first time and 15 years something crazy like that uh and then the other the other focus that i've had is on my business um and 2020 was also going to be the year of full self-expression in my business so it was so perfect that what happened in the world happened uh i keep on saying that maybe i manifested this i feel very guilty about covid because maybe i manifested it as the fear of full self-expression in my business <laughs> the year the year where I get to learn about myself and my business. It has been um, a very interesting from a creativity and expression perspective. I've definitely found the same thing to be true. It's almost like this call inward um, and reassessing like who you are at the core so that you can bring more of that out into the world and into your business. So I totally appreciate right? that. Yeah. And do you find that it's working? it's working itself into your client conversations too? Mm, not overtly. Um, but I would, I mean, I would say that a lot of the folks that I'm working with have, I mean, a lot of them have well-being projects. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's so funny how the stuff that we're working on just shows up a lot in the conversations that we're having with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, am super lucky. I get to work with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of them are in the same kind of position, you know, in a position of how do I take better care of myself? How do I pivot? How do I, you know, continue to grow and also learn how to operate in this brand new kind of environment? Um, So yeah, I would say, yeah, I'd say it's definitely impacted those kinds of conversations. Yeah. I love talking to you about your business because we have a very similar... Uh, niche in that we both work with entrepreneurs and passionpreneurs, like people who want to quit corporate and start a business that they absolutely love, but not just the business and the career, but learn how to take care of themselves in their lives so that it's not an either or of career and success or happiness and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So this idea of creativity and full self-expression and, and self-love has all been constant conversations that I've had with my clients as well. Because mm-hmm. not only is, I mean, it's a conversation that we need to have all the time, especially for entrepreneurs, because how do you balance taking care of your business and taking care of your life? But with with the, the pandemic and COVID and um, this year being uh, an election year, there's like a whole nother level of self to be with that you can't mm. actually ignore. Like it, it was oh, yeah. much easier to step over that stuff and to ignore it when we're on autopilot just going about our lives. But when there's a, a, a redirect and we have to change everything, certain things come to light that you just didn't realize. It's like stirring a pot of soup that's been bubbling and all the, all the stuff is at the bottom. Like those things start to rise and you're like, ew, I forgot to put that in there. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't make soup very often, but I imagine that's how that it works. Soup making process. I would hope <laughs> yeah. it's good stuff. I'd be like, oh, there's so much chicken. Great. I forgot how much chicken I put in here. Um, <laughs> no. Aiden's going to eat my soup and I'm, yeah. I'm going to be like, this is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. Of it. The, the piece that you put in around the either or and the career and success, um, I think that's super important and definitely comes up a lot in the conversations that I have and want to be having more with people. Um, and before we jump into that, I wanted to um, take a moment, like I gave folks an intro to who you are and a little bit about what you do in the beginning of this show, but I'd love to hear directly from you, um, like what all are you up to now? And then can you share with us a bit about your story and how you got there? Yes, yes. So what am I up to now? I uh, am the CEO and head coach of a business, LP Coaching, Lisa Bichens Coaching. I am a professional certified coach, a former coach trainer at Accomplishment Coaching with the one and only Hayden Humphrey in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miss you guys. And um, I live in Philadelphia with my husband, Randy, and my two cats, Princess Tiger Lily and Bruce. And um, most of what I do is working with entrepreneurs and passionpreneurs on uh, scaling their business, working less, and loving their life, like having a great effing life. And I got to work in this niche because this was me um, seven years ago. I wanted to quit corporate. I wanted to stop running this race of this, this either or, either success or life. You know, I'd, I'd either be successful in my business, run myself into the ground and be successful, but, but not take care of myself or I'd go on vacation for a month and have a wonderful life, but I'd feel guilty because I wasn't working my career. And so many of the people who I work with are, are high achieving, unsatisfying, uh, unsatisfied individuals or um, unfulfilled overachievers. And um, what I work on with these individuals is how to generate life from a different way of being outside of, um, it's like life beyond the busyness, like, mm. like really understanding what it takes to, to have balance, what balance actually means to you, and put down this idea of um, when I win at something, other things have to lose. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that that's a, it's a very, very common theme in life. And I know we're going to talk about perfectionism later, but my belief is that this win-lose mentality is absolutely everywhere. And it's especially clear for people who are entrepreneurs. Mm. And it's a, it's a very common thing. I mean, read any book, talk to anybody who's in business and they're like, yeah, my business is or was my life for X amount of years and everything else suffered, but it, it just doesn't have to be that way. And you'll find that mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories like that. Um, marriages often end with that story. Mm-hmm. Like the career was a focus or the family was the focus or something else with the focus instead of mm-hmm. the marriage. So mm-hmm. there's, there's very much an either or that's embedded in our culture um, that mm-hmm. was 100% my life. And I really, really enjoy helping people unravel that because I was lucky enough to have a coach who interrupted the crap out of that terrible story and helped me to flip everything on its head and have a life where I got to be successful and satisfied at the same time. That's so brilliant. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that story is so pervasive. It has to go this particular way. 
I can't have the things that I want at the same time. There's not enough mm-hmm. to go around or there's not enough for me or, you know, whatever the underlying story is. But until you actually bring it to the surface and bring it to light and take a good hard look at the stories and the narratives that are driving your life and driving the decisions that you're making, it just becomes this unconscious following of those stories again and again and again and again. And, again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it definitely requires that kind of intimate relationship with a coach or with some healer or therapist mm-hmm. or you know whoever it is to be able to support you in understanding what those stories are in the first place and then hold you accountable to shifting them and changing them so that they go differently and they don't keep running your life anymore. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like we all need mirrors. We all need someone who's going to be reflecting our stuff from a place of love and people are just not trained to do that. I always say like, imagine if we took geography or geometry out of the school system and placed it with like self-love and emotional regulation and learning how to have difficult conversations. Like imagine how much happier people would be. (laughs) Who needs the Pythagorean theorem? I need to know how to set boundaries. I need one <laughs> setting boundaries one on one. That's what I need. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's so funny to think about like how fundamental, like how important those skills are. And most people don't have any sort of education around those topics. And so it becomes a self-directed educational experience for most people. Um, And I think that's kind of the the brilliant part about working with someone like yourself or working with someone like myself and working Mm -hmm. with a coach is you get it role modeled for you in a sense and you get to go about approaching things differently. Um, And I'd be curious for you, you know, as you you talked about being in corporate and you talked about Mm -hmm. being in this place where you were this, you know, unfulfilled overachiever, like what attracted you to coaching or like, how did that uh, conversation start for you? Yeah. Um, So as you're talking about stories, it actually makes me want to go way back and start with some other interesting things that happened to me in life. So I don't know if you know this, Hayden, but I was actually homeschooled. For a little while. I did not know that. Did I tell you that? Yeah, I was homeschooled. You're like, makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> That's why she's so weird. <laughs> but I was, uh, yeah, I was homeschooled for about five years when I was younger, between like first and sixth grade. And I was always really athletic. I was always on teams and um, somewhat socially integrated. But I definitely had a different track when it came to. Um, when it came to socializing in general, like it was just different for me because I spent my my formative school years at home learning how to self manage. <laughs> mm, <laughs> like yeah. I was being schooled at home. I did my my own work. I had to be organized. I had to be self driven. So I learned all these things that other kids didn't have. But I also became very curious about how other kids did it. Because when I was reintegrated mm. into school in seventh and eighth grade, it was a really, really hard time for me. Yeah. You know, while I had a lot of friends, it was, it was just a totally different experience than, mm. um, you know, a soccer game once a week. Mm-hmm. Mm. This was people all around me all day long. And so I had, I had some traumatic experiences when I was younger that really never got resolved. Mm. And it came back up in high school and even in college. So in the meantime, as I was figuring out who I was and figuring out how to, how to form solid, intimate relationships with people, um, be vulnerable without being walked on, I was also playing soccer at a very high level. So I played I played soccer with, uh, with girls who are now on the Olympic team. I was traveling all over the world. Like, really, really intense high level stuff. Um, and that's where, that's where I learned this idea that, um, that it really wasn't either or like I, either I could work hard and be successful and be miserable and <laughs> everywhere else in my life, mm. or I could push all that, all that stuff aside, like r- run my own path and drive my own path. Uh, but then things like my success, my soccer, my schoolwork suffered. Mm. And so that's how I entered corporate with that mentality. I had mm. great self-discipline. 
um, great self-management. I was always a self-starter. I was always a good worker. Like I was a team player, but I was always very, very interested and curious about how, like how people did it. How, how could people manage their emotions in the way that they did? It was always a mystery to me. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm freaking out over here. Why are you not freaking out about this project? I don't get it. And so even with years of, of therapy, I still hit this, hit this block over and over and over again that therapy could not unravel. Um, and when I was directing the recruiting department for Northwestern Mutual in Manhattan, um, this was like nine years ago now, um, I met a coach. And I was like, well, this sounds interesting. Coaching sounds interesting. It's like therapy, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more, you know, empowering forward thinking. Let me try this out. And it was, it was so effing different than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you know it. Like the first time mm. you worked with a coach, especially yeah. an accomplishment coaching coach, you're like, this is, this is like the matrix. Mm. You see everything differently. And I started to, instead of trying to figure out what was wrong with me from the past, getting responsible for where I was and working at um, generating a different future. Like it was all this idea of owning my life, owning my reactions, figuring out how to own my, my reactions, um, taking care of myself in a different way. Like it, it, it's everything that we talk about in coaching. It's looking inward. Mm. It's not the outward fix. It's not what's wrong with me. It's not let's look at the past and figure out what my, what my mom said or didn't say to me, it's okay, well, what kind of relationship do I want to have? Who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? And let's generate that. Mm. So I just talked a lot. No, I love it. I, you know, the thing that really strikes me as you were talking about your evolution through early middle school, high school, corporate is how much people, I, I think a lot of times what happens is people get stuck in that trajectory and um, not all the time, but I think especially with like high school to college to corporate, it's kind mm -hmm. of easy to just double down on the behaviors that sort of work for you, even if there's a huge cost to it. You know, there's um, a book, The Last Word on Power, Tracy Goss. She talks about the winning strategy, which is the thing that you do to help you win, even if it's not the most healthy behavior. But I think in that transition, you know, when you go from high school to college, you, you know what to expect, you know what's next. When you go from college to corporate, you know what to expect, you know what's next. And I think sometimes you can have that in corporate. You're like, oh, I'll get promoted or I'll do whatever it is. But you don't, it's not the, the structure or the environment in which you find yourself is not quite as like incubated. It's not mm. quite as, um, you're out on your own a bit more. And I think that freedom and that openness and that space allows people enough contrasting experiences to be like, is this really, is this really the thing that I want to do? Is this really who I want to be? You know, is this really how I want to show up? Um, and, uh, you know, I think you then get the opportunity to take a look at that and really ask that question and decide, like, do I want to continue on in this corporate thing or do I want to choose to to go this different way and this different path and move towards something that um, really speaks to me? And I just really love what you shared. And I really just want to underscore the piece around getting responsible for what happened um, mm -hmm. and taking ownership of what happened, but also not trying to fix it. You know, I think that's the interesting thing about problems is when we focus so much on fixing the problem, we tend to stay stuck in the same place. It's like you're watching a truck that's stuck in the mud spin its wheels. Like just looking at and assessing the problem doesn't actually do anything. Like you actually have to take ownership and say, okay, I got stuck. And what's next? Like, what's the thing to actually do from here? Who do I need to call in? What support do I need? Like, it's like a solutions oriented perspective instead of just focusing on what's wrong with what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a time and place for it. I think I love when I get the question, um, like what's better therapy or coaching or do coaches work with therapists? And I'm like, well, first of all, it depends on the coach and it depends on the therapist, but I'm really glad for my, my training and my background that looks at therapy as the left hand to the right hand of coaching. You need mm. both. Like it's, it's not, you have to have both perspectives, the, the focus, the, the looking to the past for where we came, where we came from and why we are the way that we are. And then looking to the future, 
how do we want to create that? How do we want to be responsible for that? Uh, but I think if we're looking always in one direction, always to the future or always to the past, we're not seeing the whole picture. We don't mm-hmm. get that 360 of, of who we are. Like you actually need both. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think about civilizations and, and, um, and cultures that uh, are without this sort of like modern thinking, like, mm-hmm. you know, 300, 400, 500 years ago, we didn't have therapy or coaching. We had, um, we had families who, who told stories about where we came from and also told parables about what it looks like to work hard and to take care of ourselves and to um, pioneer our own paths and to go out on our own. You have to have both the stories from mm. the past and what we're creating for the future. So I think it's necessary yeah. to, absolutely necessary to have both. Um, and I love that track that you talked about, the high school to college to corporate. Because I think when we're younger and going back to the education conversation that, that we were having, in school, we are conditioned to have our path set for us. Our studies are set for us. Our homework is set for us. Our next grade is set for us. And so we're conditioned to go along a path that isn't ours. We don't really mm. get that choice. Or it's a limited choice, like, like AP biology <laughs> or chemistry. It's like, well, crap, both of those suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so getting, getting out into the world in a different way, in a way that, that is aligned with you and even figuring out what being aligned with you actually looks like, Mm. um, is a very disorienting, scary and exciting path. So having someone with you is, oh gosh, it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, half the time with my coach, with Jody, I'm like, can you just normalize my experience? I just need to know I'm not not alone, that I'm not crazy. Tell me it's fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, the thing that keeps coming to my head is this, that word that you used pioneer. Cause I think that's so mm-hmm. much of entrepreneurship. I think that's so much mm-hmm. of the conversation that, you know, that you're having with clients is, Hey, there's no way that this has to go. This actually gets to go however you want it to go, but it, mm-hmm. that requires a level of, um, uh, courage and a level of leadership and a level of willingness to be the pioneer. Like you're on the frontier of an experience that likely has never been created before and that you don't see a whole lot of other people doing. And I think you're spot on. It can be very disorienting and it can be very scary, you know, and if you look at it as the opportunity, it's like, wow, you know, what's the opportunity in this for you to, you know, be able to get to, to be able to have, um, all of these things. Um, and I think one of the things I think is so cool is you've been doing this for, you know, close to a decade now. Um, but I'd be really curious for you, you know, in the first couple of years, like after you decided to make that move from corporate and, you know, going into actually running like a full-time coaching business, like what were some of the big things that came up for you as far as like, um, fears, you know, ways that you were getting in your own way? Um, like what were those bigger things that you had to overcome the first couple of years of your business? Yeah. Well, first of all, I did a really good job of setting myself up to take a good first swing. Um, like a lot of athletes do, you, you do a lot of work behind the scenes. You run the drills, you set yourself up for success, you hydrate well so that when it's time to swing the bat, when it's time to go out there and actually play, you are, you're, you're really solid. You don't have to worry about like the, the scarcity or like how, how crappy you did the day before or anything like that. So when I, when I was taking the program and I was starting my business, first of all, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, I'm going to try this, this stuff and, you know, hopefully it'll work out if it doesn't, oh, well, it's not in my blood or whatever. Um, so I, uh, I quit my corporate job and I, and I was hesitant to use the word quit because I didn't actually quit. I mean, I did, I put in my, my month's notice and I replaced myself, but, um, I kept a very, very good relationship with my people at Northwestern Mutual. I um, started developing relationships in Philadelphia. So if this stuff went sour, I had a, I had a job. I had a plan B to go back to. Um, I think a lot of people have the mentality that when they go into entrepreneurship, they have to cut everything off. No support. They can't take a side job. No permission to, to make a basic salary. And I'm like, why do that? I mean, for some people, maybe it's a breakthrough. 
if they're holding themselves back. But for me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work a part-time job and it's only going to be 20 hours a week. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to find something that I enjoy that's going to lend itself to coaching. Mm. Um, so I, I consulted as an HR, was an HR consultant for a company, was also a career coaching um, consultant for another company. It was amazing. And so as I was building out my business, I didn't have this like this scarcity, this dearth of um, this dearth of money and finances and foundation that I feel like a lot of people don't have when they start mm. their, their business. So mm-hmm. I wanted to put that in there for people mm-hmm. who think that they have to just do this cold turkey. It's like, give yourself permission to, to ease in or to have a gradient to be in process. So when I was first starting my business, I, I was just focusing on practice, on um, working my skills, on talking to people, on um, playing to my passion, because coaching was really my passion. I love human behavior. It's fascinating. I was an anthropology major in, in college. I'd always been... I mean, it started from when I was homeschooled. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know how people did what they did. I'm like, how do you make friends? <laughs> how do people do this? So talking about, talking about coaching, playing my passion, um, working with people. I, honestly, I, just, I, I went out there, started talking about what I was doing. Uh, I would have conversations like this where we talked about why the world is the way that it is and people would get interested and excited and asked me what I was up to. And I would tell them what I was up to. I was starting a business and I'm practicing and I'm taking on low bono and pro bono work. Do you, would you be interested in a, in a session or would someone else be interested in a session? Because I really, I'm really passionate about this business. And that's how I started getting clients. Uh, I had one pro bono client and then everyone else was some sort of, some sort of pay scale. And every single year since then, I've, I've raised my rates. I've been booked out. I've had a wait list for two years now where um, I'm consistently having sample sessions, but I have no room in my business. And so I put on a wait list for any openings in the upcoming future. But it was really hard those first two years. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a background in business. Um, but I, I know you felt the same way. Like you had a background in entrepreneurship, but still getting out there and doing it and, and um, having sales conversations and handling objections. It's scary. Mm-hmm. People don't like to be confronted, including ourselves. We don't like to do the confronting. We don't like to have uncomfortable conversations, but um, thank God for our training. Thank God for our support. I'd say that the biggest difference between the entrepreneurs who make it and those who don't is the support that they allow in. and. Thank goodness I was abundantly supported by my parents who are entrepreneurs, by my husband who owns his business, by the program that we're in, by my friends who are so enthusiastic. Like everywhere I turned to, it seemed I was getting encouragement. And even if I didn't, I don't even remember those conversations. Actually, I do remember one conversation. (laughs) Someone said, oh, you're a coach. So do you plan on making money? (laughs) That was the only time that I ever got a dissenting uh, opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I love that. It's, <laughs> it's like, um, part of it is just getting out and talking about the work that you do and why you love the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that in and of itself is actually really enrolling for people. I think it would be very, at this point, I think it would be next to impossible for me to try and sell anything that I didn't genuinely care about. Um, which I know is something that a lot of people struggle with who are in corporate positions or who, you know, are just starting out in entrepreneurship. So actually finding something that you really, really care about, um, getting supported, not trying to do everything yourself, still working on, uh, that one, uh, for myself. Myself, but I've definitely come a long way in terms of asking for help and asking for support. Um, and it's funny, you know, having conversations with people now and they're asking me advice and I'm like, go get help. That's, that is my biggest, just ask people how to do stuff that you don't know how to do and ask questions all the time, constantly. Cause it's just the, I mean, I think it's the quickest way to just shortcut 
uh, stagnation. It's the quickest way to shortcut failure. It's the quickest way to actually get yourself into a space where you're building something that's profitable and the machine of your business has enough working components to actually function and stay afloat by itself, but that it takes time and it takes um, perspective, which you can either go through and learn through lived experience, or you can ask someone else who's done it before. Yeah. Yeah. It's like filling up a hot air balloon. That shit takes Mm -hmm. a long time. I don't know if you've ever seen something like that happen, but filling up a hot air balloon takes hours. Mm, I didn't know that. And then, yeah, it's funny. I I, I used to live in, um, in Hopewell, New Jersey, and there was a huge field right by us. And every single year there was a hot air balloon contest or something like that. And all these hot air balloons would land in that big field. And me and my brother would go running out and like, look at the hot air balloons. It was Mm -hmm. really cool. But the way that hot air balloons work is like, oh my God, there's so much, so much trust involved. Because all it is is a canvas, some air, mm-hmm. and a wicker basket. It's <laughs> crazy. Gosh. And, and physics. You have to like mm-hmm. totally trust the process. I've never actually been in a hot air balloon, but the physics of it and the process is like, is so fascinating to me. And um, mm. you know what you were talking about as far as getting help reminds me of that mm-hmm. saying that goes the two hardest things to say in the world are I'm sorry and I need help. Mm-hmm. And most people, every- most people don't. Everybody needs a dose of both of those things. I think totally. um, <laughs> you were saying earlier, you were talking about how, uh, you know, sometimes what can get in the way is us being uh, confident enough in our business and being willing to go out and ask for business and be in sales conversations. Cause I think for most people, that's an uncomfortable conversation to be in asking, you know, someone else for money. And, you know, I know it's something that I have done a ton of work around. And one of the things that's really gotten in the way for me around that is sort of, um, like my tendency to people please, or my tendency to, um, uh, you know, want to get it right or get it perfect or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I know we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I'd love to just hear from you, like how has people pleasing and perfectionism, like how have those shown up for you in your business and how have you seen your relationship with those things shift over time as you've gotten more and more experience? Yeah. Well, perfectionism has been in in my blood ever since I started playing soccer, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always been a high performer. I've always wanted to do well. I've always had a fiery personality. If I do something, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it with, with my all, that sort of thing. But the perfectionism didn't show up until I started to achieve at high levels. And then those high levels were demanded over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I'm not the only one that has experienced this. I, I'm a believer that everyone to some extent has, has a version of perfectionism. And there's actually a, um, I wish I had it in front of me. There's a, a list of different types of perfectionism. So perfectionism from a not enough. There's a perfectionism from wanting to please. There's perfectionism from, um, gosh, from a whole bunch of different places from fear of scarcity. And, um, because of the way that our society is, where so much is about outward appearance, look at social media, look at advertising, marketing, um, how our eye is drawn to something pretty or something vibrant or something with a lot of color versus uh, something that, you know, maybe is displeasing because of our own version of what's displeasing to see. Perfectionism is is inherent in everything, looking good. But perfectionism in my mind isn't built to get things right. It's built to make yourself wrong. Mm. It's built to, it's a motivation mechanism. It's this idea that we, we are imperfect. So we better hurry up and get perfect or get achieving or um, look good before someone sees our badness, before someone sees our crappiness. Right. So while I'm a, such a proponent of, um, of excellence. Like when you do something and you do something you love, you might as well do it well because there's a sense of pride in it. If that's what makes you happy. Perfectionism is built from shame. Mm. Um, and Brene Brown talks about this a lot from the gifts of imperfection. Um, it's, it's one of her first books, actually. I love, love that, love those that book and everything she writes, but 
perfectionism is a sexy word for shame. I hadn't heard that before. I love that yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, perfectionism is a sexy word for shame. And people-pleasing goes in there too somewhere. Um, maybe maybe it doesn't go hand-in-hand hand with perfectionism, but it certainly goes hand-in-hand hand with, with wanting to look good, with wanting to be loved, wanting to be liked. And in business, it's, God, it's one of the toughest things to shed when you're starting your business because there's this paradigm between wanting to be authentic because you are your business, you're running it every single day. So you better love it. It better feel good. Otherwise, what's the point in it? But at the same time, you need, you need sales. You need people coming in. So in a way, you are pleasing people. Your job mm. is to please people to get those sales, right? Mm. But if it's, from, if it's from that place of needing to lose yourself or needing to compromise yourself and your values in order to make someone do something, like that's people-pleasing. Like losing yourself for an agenda is people-pleasing. Even if your brain tells yourself that I'm doing this for them, you're actually doing that for you. You're doing it for you to feel good. So it's a, um, said in a nastier way, people-pleasing is actually a form of manipulation. I know it's like icky to say it that way because like it doesn't come from a bad place. People pleasing is really junk. It's meant to get love. Um, yeah. It's started from when you're a kid and you just want love from your parents. And so you do things to please them. It's the same, it's the same concept, but as an adult, it is subconsciously or consciously manipulative. Totally. Um, and that doesn't feel good for anyone. It feels really crappy for you. Even if someone, let's say, takes you up on coaching and coaches with you, there's this icky feeling of, well, what did I compromise? I'm doing this for me. What's in it for them? Mm. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. it's really hard to have uncomfortable conversations from that place. It's almost impossible totally. to have uncomfortable conversations if you're trying to people please. You work with a lot of people pleasers too, right? I mean, that's... I do. That's actually... So it's really interesting because this is the topic that I have as of late, been more and more and more interested in. And I actually just mm -hmm. launched a group program last week specifically designed for people pleasers, people who struggle with people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And it was actually really funny. Earlier today, I'm writing, I'm doing a talk, I'm doing a five-minute talk at the end of the week. And it's basically about how people pleasers are manipulators. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I say this as a as a former people pleaser, recovering people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I love it everything that you put in around it and how you how you shared it. And I think that looking at people pleasing as manipulative is actually a really sometimes jarring, but also really valuable insight to share with people. Because I think that his normally how people people pleasers relate to themselves is, oh, I'm just a pushover, or I'm too nice, or, you know, I'm just not as powerful as other people, or whatever it is. And people who, you know, relate to people pleasers tend to relate to them in that same way. They're like, oh, they're just a pushover, they're too nice, you know, blah, 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 blah. But what it ends up doing is it removes all of the responsibility from those people to actually make a different choice even though it's based in inauthenticity and even though it's based in manipulation, this whole like, well, that's just who I am. Like, no, that's not permanent. You're just choosing not to step into your power. You're afraid of using your power. And that's something that, that it's a choice of yours. And, um, and so it's been cool, you know, even on a, on a personal level, getting to realize that because in, in a sense, it's almost like, oh, I see the flip side now. I see the opposite. I'm doing a thing that's manipulative. I could just choose to do this other thing. And the more that I choose to lean into that and doing things differently, even if it gets really messy, the more that I'm like, I'm so much more powerful than I thought I was before. And I'm. this is a much more effective means for getting my needs met than hoping, fingers crossed, this person reads my mind and knows that I want something from them. <laughs> that always yeah. works. Yeah, the, the other thing that happens in people-pleasing relationships or just people-pleasing in general mm -hmm. is that there's no intimacy. Yeah. You never get to a deeper form of relationship with them. And 
you know, it just occurred to me to say that people pleasing isn't, isn't a bad thing. Sometimes you do just want to people please. Sometimes you, it's a tool. People pleasing mm-hmm. is just a tool. It's a choice. It's a way of being or a way of talking or a way of directing the conversation to generate something. And sometimes it's just like, you know what? I just want to make this person happy. What do I need to do to make them happy? That's fine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving mm-hmm. on or whatever it is. But if you, if you take a look at the relationship itself or you take a look at, you know, let's say coaching. My job isn't to please people. My job is to have them confront their blind spots, the things that they don't talk about or that other people don't tell them so that they can have a much better life. It's like correcting a, uh, it's, it's correcting a running form to go back to our conversation about running. Mm. It sucks at first. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear that you know, your, your left leg limps a little bit or you're leaning to the right. You're like, really? Well, now I, now I feel terrible. I was running that way. How silly of me. But, but then you get, to, uh, you get to take a look at what the other choices are, like you said, yeah. and you get, to, you get to choose. Like, yeah. okay, do I want to run in the old way or do I run the, want to run the new way? Do yeah. I want to form a relationship that's, that's deeper, that's more dynamic, that's more, that's more intimate? Like, what is mm-hmm. the higher commitment here? I mean, certainly in relationships like marriage, you don't want to use that tool all the time. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. the higher commitment isn't to make the other person happy. It's to have a dynamic, robust relationship that can outlast any conflict. Totally. Um, and I, that's one of the most powerful things about coaching. I think that's one of the hardest things about starting a, a coaching business or starting any business is being able to have confronting conversations in a way that's graceful, that's kind, and that is inside a container that doesn't um, doesn't hurt the other person's feelings, but, but has them understand that this is like, you know, this is for you. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. like, this is going to suck. But did you know that people pleasing is manipulative, that what you're doing is manipulative? And it's like, well, shit, that sucks. But at the same time, wow, now I get to, now I get to choose what's more important to me. Yeah, My comfort, absolutely. their comfort, or having a great life, helping them, my power, their power. Totally. Yeah. Looking at highest commitment. And I love that you put it in the frame of building any business because I think about the symptoms or what tends to happen if someone is starting a business and is involving themselves in people pleasing behaviors. And I feel like a lot of times it's you're not clear with your clients about what is expected of you or the work that you will or will not take on. So you get this whole idea of scope creep where they're paying you for something, but then they're expecting all of these other things because you haven't clearly, probably because you're afraid to, set expectations on the front end. Um, You're probably not being paid as much as you'd like to. You're working with anyone who will give you money because they will give you money. You know, Instead of holding firm to this is the type of person that I work with. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, And what I've found in, in... in my own personal business is the more that I break up the people pleasing piece of it. And the more that I'm like, listen, this is, if, if we're going to work together, this is what's expected. And this is the level that I need you to be on. And if you're not there, it's totally fine. But unless you're 10 out of 10 committed, unless you're clear on what you want to create, unless we're, you, unless I like you and we're both going to be a good fit in working together, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to be able to serve you as well as someone else is going to serve you. And I got to be able to have that straightforward and direct conversation with you um, that other people might not you know, be able to. Um, so I'd love to hear for you, like, how's that been breaking up that people pleasing? How's that affected sales conversations for you, enrollment Mm. conversations for you? Well, I have to say that breaking up my people pleasing and perfectionism is not done yet. Oh, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have that one and done breakthrough forever and ever. I still have to work on it. And, um, I think I've said this to you before. Sometimes I get into, uh, into, routines of lazy enrollment where I don't have the, the uncomfortable conversation where I'm like, oh, okay, like you don't want don't to work with me or don't want to do your practices. All right, well, why don't you think about it and call me later? Mm. And when I notice that I'm in that people-pleasing or don't want uh, to rock the boat or don't want to look bad routines, that's when I talk to my coach about it, or I, I make a stand for myself and I go, the next conversation I have, I'm going to have the uncomfortable conversation. Um, but going back a couple of steps, 
there's a quote that goes entrepreneurship is the uh, the best self-discovery journey you will ever be on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's true. In order to birth a business, you have to really dig deep into yourself to get yourself on a different level. It requires mm-hmm. a a deeper sense of authenticity, of commitment, of asking for help, of vulnerability, yep. and trust that I don't think is taught and I don't think is common in other places. So to be on a journey of entrepreneurship and to start any business, man, have, I mean, first of all, having a coach is so important, but also being willing to do the inner work just as much as the outer work is, is vital and to keep that front and center of mind constantly. If mm. the outside isn't working, go inward mm. and mm-hmm. repeat that until the outside starts to shift to, you know, what you want it to be. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, part of my process is bringing it to my coach, right. And going, okay, I, I noticed that I'm not having the conversations that really make a difference that really light me up. I'm starting to get smaller myself. Who do I want to be instead? What do I need to do? And that's when I recommit to being uncomfortable, uh, having, straightforward conversations, flexing your power muscles is uncomfortable. It might scare people off. It might intimidate people for sure. So being strong in yourself and being kind to yourself is, is hard, but it's, it's totally worth it. Mm. Um, and one of the things I come back to is that as I look at what my job is, like, what is my job? My job isn't to be nice. My job isn't to make people feel good. My job is to partner with people on a level that's deeper than they're used to and support them to transform their lives in ways that no one else has talked about before. Mm. Like we're in uncommon conversations and to be in uncommon conversations, we have to get uncomfortable. So I have to continuously relearn how to be uncomfortable and okay with discomfort in those conversations. And oftentimes it's interesting when I when I have objection handling conversations or when I say the thing that's going to scare people, usually it's not nearly as uncomfortable for them as I fear it's going to be. Mm. Oftentimes, mm. If, I, if I remember I'm coming from this place of heart and support and I say the thing, if I reflect that, well, they don't have a relationship because they don't love themselves, it's actually not, it, it's taken, it's embraced, it's welcome. So what, what I would say to people pleasers out there is to start to take a look at and, and experiment. How do you know that putting down your people pleasing isn't going to go well? Is that a fact? Are you sure? And if you did, what's available? Mm-hmm. If you brought the authentic conversation, the deep conversation, and it doesn't have to be an either or. It's not like people pleasing or asshole. <laughs> There's a lot of other options. <laughs> and that's another thing that I started to I started to talk about in my in my coaching groups is oftentimes our survival mechanism, like the people pleasing of the perfectionism, will tell you if you do anything other than this, then it's also gonna go bad. It's gonna be the exact opposite. It catastrophizes what will happen if you step outside of yeah. that zone. Totally. People pleasing or asshole. There are lots of other options out there besides the spectrum yeah yeah well what i really hear in that you know as far as how it relates to enrolling clients like building more of your business a big piece of it is getting supported so not doing it alone a big piece of it is recommitting to having the uncomfortable conversation um in service of your business and also in service of them. Um, and also just like continuing to get super clear on where are the areas that I am holding my behavior as unchangeable uh, or I'm holding this thing as immovable. And what if it wasn't like, what does that actually make possible for, you know, for me and my business? Um, and I'd be curious too, cause you know, one of the things that we've talked about and one of the things that I love talking with you about is how you've built your business. Cause I know you're now in a place where you literally have a wait list. Like you have a wait list of people who are waiting for spots to open up in your business. And you think about the broader landscape of coaches where, I mean, it's a very small percentage of coaches who can even make it a full, you know, a full-time living and a full-time job. So like when you think about getting to this point where you're at, like, what would you say are the big 
pieces or like the big foundational components that have allowed you to build this business where you have a wait list of people? Yeah. We are in the relationship business. So focus on the relationship and not the attachment to the result. If I had to boil it down, that would be it. Be in the relationship business. A lot of my clients who hire me have been around for a while. They know me from book club or from social media or from my wedding or from uh, the cats that I got four years ago or something else. And the reason why I have a wait list is, is because I, I am much more interested in, you know, like you said, people having a, a 10 out of 10 commitment and working with me from that place than in working with me now from my agenda. I want people to, to be ready to have their life changed. Because if someone else, if one more person in their life is going to pull them along and have them resisting or kicking and streaming or not wanna, then it's just going to add to their own resistance and their own um, negative experience of life and being out of fact. Mm. Um, the other thing is I've always seen this as the long game. I think that when you're starting a business, you're in such scarcity, you, you have this agenda and this attachment to things happening right now. They have to happen now. These are my numbers. This person has to fit into my numbers. Instead of looking at this like, okay, well, what can I give to have this person have a wow experience so that even if they don't hire me now, they're going to remember me a year from now. And I've had people come back to me years and years later. I had um, you know, someone reach out to me last week who contacted me, I want to say a year and a half ago, and it just wasn't the right time. And so she reached out to me again. We have something scheduled. And she's ready. She's like, okay, now's the time. And that's the way to do it. Mm. And that's how you form a wait list is through relationship. Yeah. People aren't going to knock down your door because of a pretty graphic or because of a sales funnel. We'll do it because they trust you. Mm. It's that know, like, and trust mentality. So yeah. you create an experience for people to know you. You have to be vulnerable for people to like you, for you to have a message and to add value, for people to trust you for them to know that you're going to show up, you're going to be there and they're going to get something from it. Yeah. I hear there's so much, it's like planting seeds. You're just constantly planting seeds and trust and trusting that if you focus on service and if you focus on how do I best serve this person in front of me, instead of selling them on something that you will be taken care of in terms of the number of clients that you have, the amount of income or revenue that you're generating, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I think that that is such a, um, such a cool place to be and such a cool place to get to because it requires a level of surrender and it requires mm. a level of trust of like, hey, this thing's going to work out. If I just focus and, and hold this expectation of what I want to create and the type of people that I want to work with and you know what I want it to look like and I'm you know I'm I'm also in aligned action and taking massive action but just yeah. trust that you know the things are going to happen without me needing to like force and manipulate them into the exact mold I think they're going to take totally. um, things will work yeah uh, I was talking about this to uh, to a client last week is actually one of the ladies that is, is in uh, a network marketing business. The oftentimes when we create a business, we think that either we're going to pick up clients from all indirect marketing, like all, I'm just going to post this social media post. Hopefully people will reach out to me. I'm going to cross my fingers and let's, mm. let's see what happens. Or it's all, it's all shark hunting. It's mm -hmm. like going after the people and being ballsy and saying, like in your face things, strong arming people across the finishing line. It's not an either or mentality. It really is a, a combination of the two. It's like the hunting and farming distinction that we use in boot camp. Mm. There's times to farm, to plant the seeds, to be consistent, to show up, to be vulnerable, to provide value, to have webinars, to have open office sessions, to provide sample sessions, to just reach out, pour love into people. 
and there's the 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 hunting the the direct marketing the calling people the saying hey it's been a year i thought of you i wanted to drop you a line would you like to to set up a time to talk again i saw that mm-hmm. you're opening a business or you know if you're running a webinar you specifically contact people that you know would love that webinar it's mm-hmm. a combination of the two like there mm-hmm. needs to be a constant balance of planting the seeds and specifically standing for the people that you know would get value, that this, is, this might be the right time. And like you said, it takes that level of trust, but it also takes a level of action. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's, I think, 12 universal laws of, um, of, of the universe. And one of them is the law of, of attraction, the law of manifestation, right? That the signals you send out and the way that you're being is going to attract the person into your life. But there's also the law of action. You have to be in action mm. to send those signals to the universe that, that says, this is what I want from you, mm-hmm. O universe. Um, a client of mine said that actions are the universe's um, prayers in motion. Mm. Like actions are prayers in motion. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's like not enough to just want it and it's not enough to just be in rapid action, which I think for sometimes for overachievers and high achievers can be sort of like a pitfall. So you're like, well, I'm doing all the work. (laughs) Look how much I'm efforting. Look how hard I'm working, (laughs) you know, but it's like, which I have no nothing about that. But if there was like a, uh, a, uh, there's also like the component of, you know, how are you making sure that the, the way that you're showing up, who you're being how you're thinking about what you want, how you're relating to what you want is also in alignment. Like if you're in a ton of action, but at the same time, you're like, well, this likely isn't going to happen and I'm not really worth what I'm asking for people and this is going to be really difficult, then it's going to turn out that exact way, you know, versus trusting like, hey, this is the type of people that I work with. I'm going to get hired three times this month. This is what I'm looking for in my clients. This is how I support them. I know in my heart of hearts, I have not a doubt in my body that I'm going to be able to support these people in this way. That's when stuff just starts to just explode. Totally. And I think, and I I want your opinion on this. I think that beliefs are chosen, Mm. that you can actually choose your beliefs. Some, some people think that beliefs just happen to you, that there's enough evidence around you for you to believe something, but there's and there's some fake it till you, till you make it. There's some, you know, I have to be in action and I have to be in integrity with this belief just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I believe that beliefs are something that you choose. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a conversation to be had around where they come from, and I don't think that most of the time they're given to us as we're conditioned and as we grow up. And so I think a lot of adulthood is going through and actually really assessing the core beliefs and stories that we have about ourselves. And mm-hmm. at that point, once it's aware, once you're aware of it, you can change it. Like I actually have it written on my whiteboard here. It says awareness is the first step. If you can't name the story, you can't change the story. Mm-hmm. It's like actually just becoming aware of what those things are. And then, yeah. and then being in a position to be able to choose whether or not you want to empower that, or, you know, if you want to empower something else. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I do think that there is a, there's this weird in-between space of like, you know, it really was just in the last six months where I find it finally clicked for me. And I said, oh, I am a great coach. I do really good work with people and I deserve to be compensated for that. But before that, all those things were in question. But I was still out doing the stuff. I was still out. I was acting as if I was talking to people. I was building a business. I was getting supported. I was getting coached. I was coaching mm. people. But it 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 almost took like a willingness to continue to play the game until mm. it got to a point where it, the belief finally clicked. And I said, yeah. I believe this in my heart and I don't just want to believe this in my head. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think there is a acting as if that is important. Um, you know, it's similar, it's similar to any business. Like you take a bunch of actions and you just have to trust that eventually it's going to click and 
It's mm-hmm. going to feel right for you and your, mm-hmm. and the results are going to show that this is right for you. I think there's always a turning point that happens with that, with stamina building too. All of us, and you don't know when it's going to be like you're running sprints and you're, you're running miles. And all of a sudden there's one day where you go out and you run five miles and you're like, wow, I'm not that tired. Mm. Like, wow, yeah. I actually feel good. This feels aligned. And all of a sudden it, it flips, that switch flips, but you don't mm-hmm. know when it's going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think that there is a muscle of choosing to believe that it's right for you that needs to be worked as yeah. you go. Like there is a yeah. choice. Um, and like you said, oftentimes they're given to us. Like we just accept them. There, there is a choice point, but we unconsciously choose it and accept it without us saying, oh, I am choosing to believe that I am worthy of um, people paying me X amount of dollars. I'm worthy of mm-hmm. having a 10K month consistently. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. I mean, there's just so much to be said for the, like the awareness and the ownership of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that sense. Yeah. But Lisa yeah. has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on this show. Where can people find you online? Well, this is so much fun. I want to do this again already. Oh, you're so much fun to talk to. Do it. Um, so people can find me on LinkedIn, Lisa Pachentz. They can find me on Instagram, Coaching with LP. They can find me on my website, www.coachingwithlp.com. And I also run a Facebook community called Coaches Creating Community with a capital U-N-I-T-Y. I'll put all, all those links in the show description. <laughs> Yay. That would people be great. can find it. And then Lisa, what's a parting piece of wisdom that you have for the folks listening for them to build bigger, better businesses? Mm. There's so many good nuggets we talked about today. Um, I think that the most important thing that I want to uh, impart on people is to get support get support, link arms with people, get over-supported, uncomfortably Mm -hmm. supported Mm -hmm. when you're starting a venture that's new for yourself. Um, Because you don't don't know when someone's going to crawl into your heart and make an enormous difference. And it could be someone like Hayden Humphrey. Indeed. Get supported. Ask questions. Don't do it alone. It won't work. (laughs) will be much harder to it's, make it work. It, and even if it does, it's very, it's speaking, not satisfying. Yeah, exactly. Speaking from experience, ask for help. Um, <laughs> that's brilliant. Uh, and then I love to close out these shows with acknowledgement. So Lisa, are you open to me acknowledging oh, you? Yes, as long as I get to acknowledge you after. That's totally fair. Totally fine. Um, Lisa, yes. Oh, goodness. There are a lot of things that I want to acknowledge you for. Um, but I think the first thing that comes into my mind is like, thanks for just being an incredible role model for what it means to be a heart-centered, heart-centered leader. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's um, it's cool for folks listening who won't know. Um, Lisa led a program that I was involved in, so I got to, in essence, like work on her team and support her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lisa is just an incredibly heart-centered, open, generous, warm, visionary leader like there's this sense of like wanting to do better and feel like you feel called to reach deeper reach further assess your own like where you stop um and i think it's so cool because that's just what you do for everybody like there's this sense of it's almost like you make excellence look easy but it it the but not in a um like not in an off putting way like a really inviting way like a very welcoming mm. way, um like there's this sense of like oh I want to do that too there is there are more things that I want I do want to have it all I do want to you know create ten out of tens and everything that I'm up to, um so thanks for just being an incredible leader thanks for your warmth and your generosity. Um, thanks for all the work that you're doing, uh, out making community, creating spaces for people to be able to show up and get supported. Um, thanks for your vulnerability and your authenticity. Like it's, I I think it's just, it's the joy of being able to connect with other coaches is, uh, I think coaching just attracts people and builds people who are very self-aware individuals. Um, you know, and at the same time, like there's just a level of, um, realness 
and truth that you bring into conversation that's just really uh, refreshing and very, um, what's the word that I want to use? Affirming. I think I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm getting Lisa and um, I then get to share more of myself in return. So thanks for building those kinds of relationships with people. And thanks for being on this show. Oh my gosh. Whew, my cup runneth over. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, brought tears. Um, this was so much fun. I, oh man, I miss you so much. I mean, I know we, we keep in touch and we talk somewhat regularly, but uh, you bring a tremendous amount of uplifting energy with you everywhere. And it's so natural. Even when you're down, it still feels positive. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I can't turn it off. I can't turn it off. It's like being around a puppy. Like even yeah. if the puppy's sad, yeah. you're like, oh, I love you. I want to play with you. There's, <laughs> there's something so magnetic about who you are, no matter what you're saying, what you're doing, where you mm-hmm. are, who you're with, that is it's it's warm it's inviting you make everyone want you to be on their team like everyone needs a Hayden in their corner someone who is who is constantly working on themselves who is pioneering their own journey who is vulnerable and uncomfortable as they're doing who's human and real like I love the realness that you bring with you as you're building out something that is unusual but doing it in such a human and extraordinarily unique Hayden way. Um, I think you're a fabulous public speaker. I love hearing you talk. It's like cool jazz tones by Hayden. <laughs> you just you Straight invite other people into your into your orbit. So thanks for having me. I Thank love you. Thank you. Of course, I love you. Appreciate the heck out of you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.